Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Hey, welcome Jubilee fam. So glad you are with us wherever you are on your couch or if you're in an auditorium with others. It is so good to be together. We are one church with many different locations all throughout Missouri, some in homes, some in uh, church buildings. Glad to be together. Let me just say once again, it is an honor to be one of your leaders, one of your pastors. I love you. I pray for you often. And I just think it'd be great though, if you just take a, a minute or two today, at some point today, just to encourage someone else, encourage one or two other Jubileeites. Let them know that you're thinking about them, that you uh, care for them. We are in this together. We absolutely need each other. And I'm just going to pray and we'll get started back into this book that we're going through, Philippians. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this opportunity to open up your word, to learn about you, to learn what it means to follow you and become like you and to, and to be a, a person and a community full of joy. We want to learn from you. And we know that this is just isn't a mental exercise of us understanding some words on a page, but this is about you being with us, participating, helping us to understand. And so this comes alive, not just in our heads, but it comes alive in our hearts and in our lives. We thank you for your help. We invite your help. Amen. Amen. So we are in the book of Philippians that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote from prison. And he's writing back to encourage this church to be full of joy. Uh, he had planted this church. You could read about this in Acts 16 with a, a young guy named Timothy. And uh, they came over and they reached three very different kinds of people. And this is how the church got started. And he's writing them in uh, to encourage them to have joy and showing them how to have joy, even in, in difficult circumstances. Uh, like you may be in, like we all in, in this pandemic in 2020. So he says in verse 12, we'll just go ahead and get started. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. And this word, therefore, is bridging a, a command with the previous promise. Christ was exalted because of his humility. We talked about this last week. He was emptying himself. He, it says that he became a servant to us and he was obedient to the Father, so will we. So if we, like Jesus, like our story is to represent Jesus's bigger story. And if we do that, if we humble ourselves, if, if we do nothing out of a spirit of rivalry, if we don't um, do things out of glory, hunger, vain glory, and, and we value others before self, and we look to serve other people's interests above our own, like we will experience this glory. So in light of that promise of that, in light of that promise, he's saying he's commanding us to continue in our obedience to Jesus based upon this future glory or reward, you could say, but it's also commanding it based upon a present enablement. So he says, therefore, in light of this future reward, this future glory, obey. But it also says, it gives us another reason in verse 13. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So Paul here is commanding us uh, to action. He's saying, I want you to act. I want you to do something. I want you to obey. I want you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling based upon, number one, a promise of future glory, a reward. Secondly, though, present enablement 
and empower. Empower. And so I, I want to give you a made-up illustration to, to drive this home. And I want to be very, very clear because I think these two verses are incredibly important. And in fact, uh, they're the most important verses in the Bible to help us understand the difference between grace-based obedience that gives life and joy and man-centered legalism that brings angst and death. And so we want life and joy. We want grace. We are a grace people. So what does it look like to be active, to be obedient, uh, that gives life and joy, which is the big theme, and not get under to something heavy and legalism, and this is something I have to do. And because Paul's not saying, you know, you have to do this because Jesus says, he's, he's, he's giving us a completely different argument. So let me just say this. Uh, let's say to my 16-year-old daughter, Ella, I said, hey, look, you can get uh, the new iPhone 12 of your choosing. I am promising you a future reward. You can have an iPhone 12 of your choosing. Therefore, get dressed and stand in line at the Apple store. So I'm telling her to go do something, but I'm doing it based upon a future reward. And your dad, I just want you to know that your dad has both the money and the desire. Uh, so I have the money to pay for it, and I'll take you there. I'll drive there. I'll stay with you if you want that, but you probably don't. But I'll stay with you in line if you want me to. I, I will supply the need for this. So if you obey, something amazing is going to happen. You're going to get a new iPhone 12 of your choosing. You're going to be really happy. <laughs> In other words, like you're going to be full of joy. If you do this, you'll be, you'll be full of joy. You'll be full of meaning and purpose. And you can bank on that promise by you going and getting in line at the, the, uh, at the Apple store. And so go obey and do that. But not only that, I, I just want you to know, like, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. Like, you know, who's going to pay for it? I'm going to pay for it. You don't, you know, like, how am I going to get there? I'm going to take you there. You know, how am I going to get home? I'm going to give you a ride home. So I am, I am giving her two things. So Paul is making this command for action. And it's built upon two very, very important pillars, you might say, that is supporting um, or is the motivation behind this, which is number one, future glory, future reward, and also uh, present enablement, power. You know, that's a lot different than saying, hey, you should, you should obey, you should not sin, that you should serve, because that's just what Christians do. That's not what Paul's saying. He's not just saying, well, this is what you're supposed to do. And, but that's what a lot of times we hear. He's saying, look, in light of the fact that Jesus was exalted above all names. Because he was humble, he was exalted. So you, you, you can be exalted just like that. You can have a future reward from your Father in heaven. So based upon that, work out your salvation. Do something. Continue to obey, for God is at work. He is enabling you. He's, he's empowering you. And so this is, this, is what, this is the argument, in other words. This is the basis for our Christian obedience, that we are to work out our salvation, not work for our salvation. Okay, that's a big, we're not, we're not working for our salvation, but we are working out our salvation. So, so we should fight sin in our life. Why? Because that's what we're supposed to do? No, because of this future reward and this present enablement. We should serve. Why? Because that's what you're supposed to do? No, because there's a future reward and present enablement. We don't have to freak out. Well, I don't have the time and I don't have this and I have this and I'm afraid if I do this, I'm going to do it. Look, he is going to work it out. He is going to promise you a reward that's well beyond what you could ever think or imagine. And he's going to give you the power 
to do that. So work out your salvation. Work out the reason why you were saved. You know, you were saved uh, on purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Uh, we rebelled from that, so we were saved from our sin, but we were saved back to that purpose. So God has a purpose for our life. And he's, and he's saying, work that out. Work out the purpose for which you were saved for, to be on this path based upon future reward and present enablement. So we work out hard. We work out. We, we, we work, we work, we work outwardly because God is at work inwardly. And he's giving us two different kinds of power. He's giving us the motivation and the strength. He's giving us the will and the way. He is, he's changing our desires. It's called regeneration. When God first comes, you know, you're, 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 you become a Christian, from that very beginning, he starts to change your heart. And as he changes your heart, as he works in, you're meant to work out. And, and I remember this, how it played out in my life. I went to the University of Missouri and there were only two reasons, by the way, in the early mid-90s, you go to the University of Missouri. Number one was to study journalism, or number two was to party. Uh, I was a business major, all right? So you kind of know where that's going. I had two goals in Columbia, getting a degree and breaking commandments. And so that's where I was at that point in my life, but God interrupted my life. Like, he, uh, he changed me. He, he, he changed my heart and and like I had this desire to, it was like an out-of-body experience. Like, I, I think I want to go to church. I think I want to pray. I think I want to read my Bible. He worked something in me. So he was changing me. So he worked something in. I'm meant to work something out. And here is the big difference between religion and Christianity in terms of motivating behavior. Religion says that God is far away and you have to work really, really hard to, you know, to please the big old angry deity in the sky who just kind of like passively sits by and you know, he keeps score and you, know, you better be careful and, and we're working for our salvation. That's not what he's saying. We're working out something. Paul is talking about a God who initiates with us, who is at work in us, who is, who is changing us and he's there at every step of the way and he's, he's with us and helping us and both the will and listen to this and the way. In 1 Corinthians 15, 10, it says, by the, Paul says, by the grace of God, I am who I am. So we can be satisfied in who we are. We're, whoever you are, whatever God's made you to be, your personality, your gifts, all that. I just want you to know, by the grace of God, you are who you are. You should be content in what God has made you. You should be, in fact, more than content because he's made you the way that you are. By the grace of God, I am who I am. And this grace toward me, though, was not without Vain. In other words, other translations say not without effect. The grace of God in our life isn't like, oh, thank you very much for that, you know, get out of, you know, hell free card. Like, thank you for that. Like, no, God's grace in our life is not without effect. It says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. So grace isn't like, hey, we just sit around and do nothing. Like, we just kind of wait for God to come back. Like, no, it's not without effect. He says, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was within me. You got you to hear that. That as God, as we work, at, we work hard outwardly because God is hard at work inwardly. And we have to trust that. The grace of God is not just that he saved you from something, but he saved you to something. And, and, and Paul was hard at work outwardly, not because, man, look at Paul and he's so good and what a moral person, a religious person. No, he's very clear, like I'm done with the religion. But the grace of God in my life is not without effect. It is, it is motivating me. It's giving me new desires and it's giving me new strength. 
God wants to lead you in a life well beyond what you could ever think or imagine, which means that we'll do things that we never thought he could do. He's made amazing promises to us. In fact, you could say the Christian life is about promises. It's a promise that he's made to, he made to Abraham. I'm going to make you the father of multitudes. And the way he lived that out is that he believed those promises. And God makes promises to us. He promised us salvation. He's promised us, you know, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's made promises to us. He made promises us to make us great. And in light of that grace, in light of those promises, we believe those promises and we, we work out what he works in. It means doing things that we never thought we could do. Tim Keller says this. He says, it is not God's intention that we should be in ourselves adequate to the task. So, if you're, so it's just kind of like my daughter, like, you know, how's this iPhone going to get paid for it? How am I going to get there? Like, no, 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 I got it covered. I'm going to help you. Don't, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm going to enable you. I've got present enablement. It's not God's intention that in ourselves adequate for the task. Rather, he wants that we should be inadequate. Okay? And we'll get to why here in a second. If we only accepted the tasks that we think are adapted to our powers, we are not responding to the call of God. The church is always in a crisis and always will be. Difficulties, problems, lack of people and money and a menacing outlook, endless misunderstandings and misrepresentations. We are not just supposed to go forward despite these things. These are pr precisely the conditions requisite for the doing of them. It pleases and honor God when we go out when we don't feel like we have the strength because we're not supposed to have the strength because he has the strength. That's what he supplies. He's working it in to us as we work out the obedience. We're like, oh, I can never do that. Like God's calling you to make, some of you, God's calling you to leave a relationship you know you're not supposed to be in. And you're thinking, I could never do that. He's gonna work in the motivation and the strength for you to do that. Some of you are freaked out in other ways, like, oh, I can never be. Like, listen, God is going to give you the grace day by day for you to walk in that. And that's the Christian life. You, 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 he's working something in and you work something out. In fact, one theologian said it's like riding a bicycle. And some of you, God has been like, he's pedaling and he's waiting for you to pedal. He's waiting for you to work out what he's working in. And, we, and, and as we move out and allow God's power to work through us, he gets glory. That's what it says in 1 Peter 4, 11. It says, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. You know, people say like, man, I don't have the strength to serve. Well, you're in a great place because God wants to give you the strength. That's what, that's what this is saying. It's saying that you don't have to use your strength. You can use God's strengths. And here's why. In order that everything, in everything, in everything, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and dominion forever. Obedience, therefore, okay, we're gonna put this all together really quick. Obedience, therefore, is fueled by our trust that he who promised is faithful. Now, that just happens to be the theme, by the way, of the Deeply Rooted Conference for Women, which I think is fantastic. Like this all hinges on our ability to trust in God's goodness, that he has something better for us and that he is going to fulfill the promises that he made. So if my daughter, I mean, my daughter would be thrilled about the iPhone, but she wouldn't be thrilled if she didn't think I'd come through. Yeah, dad, I've heard that before. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna pay for it. Yeah, I don't think that's really gonna happen. I don't think you can do that. Well, yeah, then she's not gonna be very excited about, about getting this iPhone. 
but our trust in the goodness of his promises and our trust in the reliability of his promises. So this trusting in the sufficiency of both his goodness and his power is going to cause us to work outwardly what he is working inwardly. And if we have a little bit of trust, we'll do a little bit of things. If we have a lot of bit of trust, we'll do a lot of bit of things. Not to work for our salvation, but to work out the purpose for which he's called us into. Jesus was, someone was asked Jesus, hey, what, you know, what are we supposed to do? And Jesus said this in John 6. He says, he answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent, that we trust Jesus, that we trust the work of Jesus, that we trust in his promises, we trust in his life, that humility, uh, that the way, you know, the way uh, up is down and, and, and we follow him on this path. We give away our lives and we serve him, we serve others, we say no to sin. It's about trusting in his goodness, that he, he knows what he's talking about. And it's about trusting in his power. What gets in the way of this? Well, one of the ways it gets, one of the things that gets in is a casual view of God that we don't take his promises or his enablement seriously. So it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like we like take him seriously. Like let's take the promises of God seriously. The other thing that gets in the way is a bad attitude. So he says in verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing or arguing. And that's what happens when you grumble. That is you have a bad attitude. You have no gratitude. Like you just see situations it's not about being an optimistic person. It's about being a worshipful person. It's about, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, for God, for this. When you're not, when you have a grumbling attitude, it leads to an arguing attitude, a complaining attitude. Like you have division and there's tension in your relationships. Do all these things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And that's what God wants for us. God wants to use us as a witness. God wants to infuse us with, with his dreams and ambitions and will and, and desire and, and power. Like, man, God wants to do something in you beyond what you could ever hope or imagine, but we have to participate with him. We have to go along with him. And it's his desire that we would not be just followed what everyone else does, follow human effort, do as humanity does, do as culture does, but to trust in him and to pop out like lights among a crooked generation. And can I just say that there has never been, at least in my life, a, a darker backdrop that where we could pop out and be different. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, he tells us in verse 16, by holding fast, holding fast, holding your ground, that word holding fast is like to stay your ground, like, okay, keep your ground. This is going back to trusting in his word, his promises, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or, or labor in vain. So the, this first part of this verse tells us that how we do this, it, how we live this way, how we pop out, how we be a witness, it goes back to trusting him, which is to hold fast to the word of life. This is how we pop out, by holding onto, gripping onto the word of life that we would hear from God on a regular basis. You know, in a relationship, when you fail to communicate with someone, our communication goes, gets, goes low, you begin to doubt that person's love for you. When there's not communication, you begin to doubt that person's love for you. You begin to doubt that person's concern for you. Communication in a relationship is vital. And so if you, if you and I are having problems trusting God, typically it's a 
communication problem. We, if we're having a difficult time trusting God, we're having a difficult time hearing God. Right? Hebrews says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So faith, trust in who he is, trusting in his promises, trusting that he'll do what he say, he'll say what he'll do. And so this lack of trust comes from a lack of communication, a lack of hearing God. So it is so vital that we are reading this thing called the Bible, that the word of God, that we have this gift that God has given to us, the, the word of God. I mean, it's amazing. This is the word of God and listening to the Holy Spirit, giving ourselves to prayer. We need to hold fast to the word of God. Now, I realize it's not easy. I mean, like, you know, sometimes you never realize how tired you are until you read the Bible. It's like the Lord of hosts and, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. And, but man, we, have, we can't just glaze through our Bible reading plans. I hope you're on a Bible reading plan, but, but to, to sit with the word and not so much examine the Bible, but allow the Bible to examine you right? Like, let the, like sit with it, bring your heart to it, and believe it or not, God will speak. God will speak. You know, it may not be like, you know, wow, look, he's speaking right now every single time, but man, he, he speaks, he speaks, and, and getting that constant flow of God's work. And this isn't just some old book and, you know, with words on some old pages, but it says that this is holding on to the word of life. This, this, this word is, is, is life. We need to hold on to it. John 6, it records uh, this time, you know, it's after he fed the 5,000, records this time where people just began to leave him because the teaching was, was getting difficult. And, and Jesus does like this anti-altar call. You know, usually, you know, if you're a preacher, you call people forward and he calls people backwards. He's like, you know, do you want to go too? Who here? Can I get a hand? Anybody want to leave here? Anybody want to leave? And, and, you know, and, what Peter stands up and says, hey, where else would we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. He's holding on to the word of life. And, and as you come to the Bible, you begin to understand that this is a grand story um, about the battle for the human heart. And it starts out uh, with this uh, battle for a heart of a woman named Eve. And the serpent come, comes to her and poses this question. You know, can God really be trusted? Do you really think that you could follow God? Do you think he really knows what he's doing? You know, do you think he's holding out on you? Do you think he has something better behind his back that he's not showing you? Because I, I do think that, Eve. I think he's holding out on you. And there's, you see this battle between uh, Eve and this serpent. And she doubts and she buys in the lie that God cannot be trusted and is not out for your best. You see, Adam and Eve in the garden, they attempted to grasp equality with God, and so they ate from the tree. Jesus, as we read last week, he let go of his equality with God, and he hung from the tree. And that is where the Bible has a climax. The climax of this story over the battle over the human heart, Jesus steps on the stage, and he says, do you want to know if I can be trusted? then look at my body nailed to this tree. Do you want to know if I love you? Then look at my body nailed to this tree. Do you want to know how far I will go from heaven to earth? Then look at this bloody mess called the cross. And when you and I fix our eyes on that, the gospel, the word, and when we look at the, it puts an end to the question, can, does God love me? Can he be trusted? Does he have good things for me? Yes, he can be trusted. Yes, he loves you. And yes, he has your best in mind. This is what we hold on to. This is what we cling to. 
And to the degree that we do that, man, we're going we're, we're to pop out like lights among a crooked generation. We're going to work out what God is working in because we see that he is promising us more than anyone is promising us. And we also see that he has a power beyond any other power. So where are you this morning? Maybe communication between you and God has run a little dry. And it's hard for you to see the goodness of God. You know, one of the things that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, 18, he says that he prayed that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened. You know, we, we just can't read this book like it's the paper. Like we have to come to it with faith and say, God, would you open my eyes to see you? And maybe that's where you're at this morning. Maybe, maybe and I'll pray for you in a minute here. Maybe you just need to come to God and say, God, I need, I'm doubting that you're good. I, I don't trust that you, that you have something better than this world has to offer. I, I don't trust that, you will, that you, your power will meet me, that you'll give me new desires, that you'll give me the way. I, I just can't, it's hard for me to trust. And here's the thing, he'll, he'll only take you one step at a time. Oftentimes we, look, we wanna look way in the future and say, God, where, where are you at way in the future? He's like, now I'll, I'll tell you where I'm at today. And that really is what discipleship is all about. Following Jesus is really about your next step of obedience. What is the next step? That God has, it may be as simple as just getting before God and, and repenting and say, God, open the eyes of my heart. I want to know you. I, I want to talk to you. I want to grow with you. Maybe you're like, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I, I don't even know that God's, met, you know, I don't know what, the, what my purpose is. And man, we have a, a, something called the growth track where we want to help you discover your purpose so that you can get out there and make a difference, that you can begin to work out what God is working in. Your next step is to go to the growth track and that's happening. Next time that's happening is November 1st. I'm gonna invite you to do that. And then we all need to be engaged in regularly serving and encouraging each other. We, we have to not give up in, in meeting together. We have to not give up in encouraging one another. We have to hold fast, fast to truth, to give away ourselves. And so maybe that's for some, some of you may need to renew a commitment to a group. Uh, to, to do something to, to, to serve other people. And I'm not going to overly define that. You could do that in, in a million different ways. But here's the thing I want to encourage you in. You know, what if, what would it look like to take God seriously? What is the next step that God would have for you? And what if we all did that? Man, I just think there's a community, there's a, excuse me, there's a world of people that's looking for a community that's different. I mean, we're getting ready to head into this election and there's all this tension and grumbling and complaining. It's like, man, this is, this is the time. This is a time that you and I pop out and we will pop out if you and I will believe in the future reward, believe in the, in the present enablement and begin to work out what he's working in. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for this, this scripture that you gave to us. God, we want to hold fast to your promises. We want to hold fast to your words. And I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. If that's you, just say, God, make that true for me. Make that true for me. Make that true for me. God, we, we see that you had the best life and we know that following you, trusting you, trusting in what you promise us and trusting in the power in us, not our own strength, not our own ability, but your strength, your ability. God is the pathway to true joy and happiness. Amen.